Hi, and welcome to show number seven of the El Capsita Travel Talks, a podcast where people share travel stories and adventures. First of all, I want to thank everyone who's been listening to our previous shows and encourage you once again to subscribe so that you'll have all the updates, the new shows, as soon as they come in. Send us an email with your feedbacks to elcafecitatraveltalks at gmail.com. If you have not done so already, don't forget to check out our Facebook site with the written travel stories. And if you're someone who likes to write, we're looking for some people to submit us some more stories. As I'd mentioned before, the shows have been previously recorded here at the Hostel El Cafecito, where we cordially invite you to stop by when you're in Cuenca, Ecuador. Or if you're in Quito, you could stop by our sister location. For today's show, I have a couple with me, Josh and Rachel, who are biking to the southern tip of Argentina. So please get yourself a cup of tea or a coffee and enjoy the show. We got married two years ago, and in my wedding vows, I vowed to ride with him on the motorcycle to Argentina. When did it start? I mean, I just, it was just something I said, and I think it sounded cool, and I did want to do it, but it was still not a reality at all for me until, until Rachel said she'd go, because it was like, I was getting older, I couldn't figure out where that was going to actually fit into my life, because I had a career, were some influences, books, and watching Long Way Round with Ewan McGregor, who rode his motorcycle with his friend for long distances, motorcycle diaries, and then also Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance um, had a big impact on my life, just in terms of kind of questioning the rules and the logic of how I'd set my life up. So I was 18 or 19 when I bought my first motorcycle, and then I've kind of had one ever since. Really loved riding motorcycles. So how many times have you been on the bike before we left? Three times. <laughs> Three times. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, I already got some questions coming up in my mind for you. Don't worry. So that was a big part of our planning. Was we both really focused hard on not being destination oriented and saying I'd always said I want to ride my motorcycle to Argentina, just kind of picking a place in South America. When Rachel and I started planning it, we kind of really made sure that a we get to San Diego and this is obviously not working. We tried. It's not working for either of us. Then we had the ability to say, we need to step away from this and be strong enough to back out and not have Argentina or bust kind of mentality. So I think that was, we haven't talked about where you came from. So yeah, we were in the U.S., Washington State. That's where the motorcycle trip started. We moved to Spokane because I was getting my master's in mental health counseling. Um, and about a year and a half in, I was doing my internship and I realized it was just not, it was not a good fit for me. Okay. So I withdrew from the program and it was about that time when we both kind of were like, well, what do we do now? Because I had left my program. He was working a job that I don't want to speak too much for him, but he wasn't totally thrilled with. And we were living somewhere that wasn't didn't feel like home. So then I worked at a yoga studio and did photography while we saved up for a year. And what were you doing as far as work? Oh yeah. So I was, I was in sales and I sold commercial lighting and lighting control systems. Let's talk a little bit about the preparation on what kind of bike you're riding and why you chose that type of bike. For anybody who knows, it's a KTM 1190 Adventure R, but it's basically a gigantic dirt bike. It's a 1200 cubic centimeter displacement engine and most commonly people here ride 150 cc's so you're almost 10 times the size of a common motorcycle in okay. central and south america to give you an idea and then so in terms of prep i had the motorcycle for about a year before we left capable of off-road but still fully functional on a highway or something we probably spent about six to eight months really saving trying not to eat out at restaurants and which was easier because we were in a town where we didn't know as many people and we could skip 
requisite, oh, it's so-and-so's birthday every Friday night. Okay. It was just deciding what we could and couldn't bring, and there was a lot of back and forth on what even what climate are we even preparing for? Are we packing swimsuits or sweaters? And how much space do we actually have? And it just became a function of here's the luggage. And we laid it all out on the floor in our apartment and said, all right, start stuffing things in and see what fits. Yeah, I think, I mean, when people ask us, like, how did we prepare? Or, like, how much planning did we do? Like, for like a poster board. We had a poster board with maps of Central Mexico, Central America, and South America. And if we Googled a place we wanted to go, we'd put a pin on the, on the wall in that city. And besides that, we were just kind of waiting for the year to pass as okay. we saved money because there was so little we could really prepare for because we just had no idea what to expect. And I had not, I wasn't a motorcycle rider, so I didn't know what I was supposed to prepare for. Like okay. I knew I needed riding pants and a jacket and shoes and a helmet. So we got that taken care of and I kind of trusted that Josh knew what we needed to do for the bike so he made sure the bike was running properly and that we got all the tune-ups we needed and he knew what kind of side boxes and bags to get and I I, you know that was all over my head so he really took care of all of that stuff and I trusted that he knew what we would need it's it's funny but it's true really the only thing we ever kind of wondered about or what kind of clothes do we pack like and and that's because I think we didn't we didn't want it to be so planned out we wanted it to feel like as we got to a place we would decide when we got there what we were going to do or where we were going to stay so really all we did was plan a daily budget so that we knew how much to save a route which was just generally south let's talk about when you started telling people I know that we we got different reactions depending on who we we spoke to and it was weird because I felt like when we told strangers or people we didn't know that well, they said, oh, awesome, I wish I could do that. When we told people that we knew really well or family members, they said, I'm really scared for you, that sounds dangerous. Mm-hmm. But I think the more we told people, the more they, the Except less they it. felt that way. But I know like my mom was really worried mm-hmm. um, and I had some family members that were, were nervous too and thought Mexico was the most dangerous place in the world, thought that Central America was really dangerous. Really, were hoping we weren't going to go to certain countries, giving us, you know, recommendations of people they knew in those countries who tell us what places to avoid and where not to go. And it was just really like danger oriented. But I do think that, I mean, most of my friends really supportive and excited. I was thinking of one alternative reaction because I think most reactions fell somewhere on that spectrum of either that's great for you guys, that's going to be an awesome adventure, or watch out for this country, this country, have you read about this? Mm-hmm. But I did have, one of my best friends was really excited when we told him, and then later on told me, oh, well, I didn't think you were actually going to do it. Websites, were you using any particular websites to decide on which sort of bike, what sort of equipment? Great question. Yeah. Two really great resources. The first is adventurerider.com, so it's just advrider.com, mm-hmm. and that is a motorcycle-centric website forum more u.s based but in in terms of which bike to take what kind of gear trips trips within the u.s um, they do have international forums as well but yeah that's a huge platform for motorcycle travelers and the second is called horizons unlimited okay so quit your job you've packed up you've got the motorcycle ready do you remember rachel your first thought I'm, i'm closing my eyes so i can try and picture that moment I know, super excited, super nervous, almost like blackout. What, like, I just didn't, it was, I was just exhilarated. I was so excited. Yeah, I was just like, I was giddy with excitement. I don't, I don't think I had many thoughts other than like, oh my God, we're doing this. Like, it's really <laughs> happening. Like, That's a good thought. Yeah, a, yeah. Okay. And you, Josh? 
I was actually nervous because I was so excited this was real for me. Rachel's now getting on the bike. Is she going to like it? So I think I was more like half waiting for the other shoe to drop. Is this actually going to be real or is this going to not work out? I really try to be a supportive husband. So if it wasn't going to work, then I would support that. But there was, I mean, I would be a huge liar to to say that, no, I was fine either way. Because like I said, it'd been my dream and now we're actually doing it. And spent all these months saving up for it. And we've told all these people and then now we're going to turn around and, you know. We've got to do this. <laughs> yeah, we've got to do this. we got to at least go into Mexico. So how long has it been now that you're on the road? Seven, Seven months. months. And so you rode through all the South American, Central American countries. In Panama, I assume you put it on a boat. We put it on a plane. Oh, you put it on the plane. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's so in. And the, how easy is that to do? To put a bike on a plane? Oh, it turns out it's really easy. <laughs> okay. I didn't even. I didn't it even was know like, it was possible. I thought you had to get on the boat. <laughs> Sorry. They overnighted it for us from yeah. Panama City to Bogota. It was like it was so easy. We went. I went to the show up at the airport the day before we flew. They just rolled it into a warehouse and then we flew the next day to Bogota. I showed up at the airport and it took a couple hours of paperwork, but then they just rolled it out of another warehouse. Is it cost about the same as flying a passenger or is it like cheaper? For the motorcycle was 1100 US. Yeah. How much does a trip like this cost? Mm -hmm. So for the two of us, we tried to budget $100 a day because we wanted to be able to stay in hostels and hotels and not camp and book private rooms and so we do want to open up that conversation about okay, budgets if if it comes to it but um yeah the the panama city to bogota route is i will say that that particular flight because they have it people do this trip on motorcycles enough that it's really easy and if you want to ship your bike somewhere weird then you'd have to do other things like put it in a crate and Okay, Rachel, going back to you again. Mm -hmm. Was there a moment, what am I doing here? Uh, Yeah, I had several of those. I struggled a lot, I think in Mexico and Central America, mostly with just with the weather. Um, It was really hot a lot of times when we were riding and my gear was not, I don't have mesh gear or the ability to take out uh, a waterproof liner, which essentially means, or a water, a, um, a windbreak, just means that it's really hard for me to ventilate and I I'm not going to take off my protective gear. So there were a lot of times we were riding in 80 plus degree weather and I'm wearing basically snowboarding gear, a black helmet and big black boots and gloves, and I'm sweating inside. Um, So ride days often were really difficult for me and, um, and we'd get off the bike and I would just be miserable. So those were certain times when I felt like, what, why am I doing this? Like, I don't even like, I don't even like this. It's not fun. My body is just falling apart. I'm sweating and tired all the time. My butt hurts. <laughs> My hips are tight. Like, so those were there were times then when I think I struggled. And why am I why am I doing this? It's just like I'm just thinking. Okay, there's a female that might be listening to us, or another male that's going to be riding with somebody else and not the main rider. I, I have it easier because I don't have to focus on the road or navigate other other drivers so I think in that aspect it's kind of like I it's a win for me I think maybe at first there were times I'd get nervous because I wasn't driving but I trust him so much on the motorcycle and I know so little about motorcycles was there a time where you thought hmm maybe this is not what I want to do yeah I think there I can think of two distinct not distinct times but two things the first was I early on realized, oh, this isn't 
the trip that I really envisioned because my motorcycle trips to that point had been with a close buddy of mine and we went out in the woods and camped and it was dirty and grimy and you just made it as hard on yourself as possible basically Mm -hmm. and then that felt good because you made it through and then when we set off on this trip and we're staying in hotels in, in Mexico there's it seemed like at least in Baja for sure there were no hostels or there trying to think there were very few hostels in Mexico and so we were staying in hotels and I thought oh this isn't this isn't the adventure yeah (laughs) and everyone said this it's going to be this adventure and and it has been but in a completely different way than had envisioned it so I think at the very beginning I was like kind of grappling with well this wasn't the dream this this is like just traveling we happen to be riding a motorcycle Mm -hmm. and it's been cool to like let that be okay and grow into a whole new this is what this trip is and and it's awesome in its own right. The second time is anytime we start rushing through cities and we'll go, or we say, okay, we want to get to this cool city we've read about. That's a long distance. So we're going to ride three, four days back to back to back. And we're both tired and we're not really seeing anything. And we're then, then on the third day, we're kind of just waking up somewhere and I'm going, what? And so we've really done a, I think a good job on once we got to South America, it feels like we've slowed way down, and that's helped with that feeling. It's like, okay, this might not be the perfect place, but we're going to stay here for three nights. It's not like we just have to get out of here to get to somewhere that's perfect or something. So okay. those are the only two times I've felt like, what am I doing here? What have you been using as your technique when you get into those moments where you're like, okay, what am I doing here? I mean, I use Josh a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, I think we rely on each other a- quite a bit in those moments um and sometimes against our own will like I think my tendency is to try and push away my thoughts rather than deal with them and I've had to work really hard to say no I can bring those thoughts to the forefront and I'm going to survive I can look at them and figure it out and I need someone else's help to do that but sometimes if I'm like really upset it's harder for me to reach out and ask for help when that's usually the thing I need the most and so like being with him 24 7 I kind of had no choice but to talk to him about it because he would see me and clearly I would be upset and he'd be like, Rach, we need to sit down and talk about this. So I think that's one one big thing is just being able to talk it out with somebody. In those moments, I, I know that I, I know certain things that make me feel better. Like I have certain self-care routines that I can rely on. One of them is just is getting some exercise, so like moving really helps me. So doing some yoga, going for a run, finding a way to do that will help me get me kind of out of that funk. We started journaling every morning. So doing that has been a really nice way to feel like having a routine and something to ground ourselves in. And then within that, like we've been able to, at the beginning of the day, we'll write down our daily expectations of things that we think will or won't happen. And then what we can do if those things don't happen. I was able to start setting myself up better for those times so that I could kind of know ahead of time like this is going to be a long ride day so when we get to where we're going i'm probably going to be really tired and that's going to be okay and here's some things i know ahead of time that i can do when we get there like i can immediately take a shower unpack all of our things and organize them so that i feel like i've gotten a clean fresh start from the day and then i'll feel a little bit better so honestly just going through it a couple times and then finding ways to cope ahead or plan ahead for those things made it easier Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And Josh, how do you get out of that? What What's your take? Yeah. Okay. So my biggest thing is to try to remember that this trip I chose to be here. So if we're sitting in traffic in Guatemala City and it's a hot day, remembering that this is 
my dream, <laughs> even though it doesn't necessarily feel like it in the moment. Remembering that, like, oh, I'm really doing it. I'm riding my motorcycle to South America right now. That reframes sitting in traffic in Guatemala City in hot weather to I'm living the dream kind of quickly. So that's one way to kind of get through it. Yeah, talking it out with, with Rachel or writing or anytime I can kind of get it out of my own head is, is better. So whether that's writing on our blog, we post on Instagram and write long captions on there, almost treat it like a mini blog. I have another blog on the ADV Writer site and, and people I can talk to back home. So just getting it out or talking to Rachel's. I think I've covered the low light things. Okay, so let's, <laughs> let's make this move more, let's yeah. go back into the positive yeah, sure. parts now. Okay. One of your highlights, Rachel. We went to Cotopaxi National Park in Ecuador and I'm... Way for Ecuador. Yeah, I know. I've loved... I lo I've loved Ecuador, but I'm kind of like a mountain junkie. Like, I don't know what it is, but if I see mountains with snowy peaks, I just like, I feel like I'm in my place. Like, I just love it. And we, we stayed overnight at some little bread and, bed and breakfast. We were the only people staying there in a town that is not set up for travelers or backpackers. So we just, we were like the only little gringos traveling in this one little town. And we rode our motorcycle out to the park, parked it at the entrance. And then we were told by the guy that worked at our hotel that we could hitchhike through the park and that lots of people did it and it was really safe. So we showed up at the park with the, that plan of we'll walk and try and hitchhike and we both got a ride immediately, but we had to split cars because the families were um, in two separate cars and they only had one empty seat in each car. So I was in a car with an Ecuadorian family that didn't speak English. Josh was in a car behind me with the guy's brother and some other people. And so I'm sitting in this car and there's a guy driving the car. His wife's in the front with a little girl on her lap. And then there's two little girls squished next to me in the car. And I'm wearing like 3,000 layers and a big hat that we bought at the entrance. And it's a perfectly clear day and I can just see this huge volcano through the front of the car. And I'm speaking in broken Spanish to this family. And I just like had that moment of like, this is why I'm doing this. Like, this is it. And we just spent the whole day walking through the park with this just gigantic volcano right there. Wow. And it was, it was unbelievable. It's just like one of the best days. Yeah. Your wow moments. The first thing, um, well, for anybody, any writer, potential writers who are out there listening, the writing, once you get to South America, starting in Colombia gets 10,000 times better in terms of actual motorcycle riding terrain by that. Once you get to Colombia, you're in the mountains and the roads are twisty and then you're going up 3,000 feet of elevation and down 3,000 feet of elevation and twisting around and it's just so green and I don't know, the and lush and then Ecuador, the mountains are, are similarly large and this absolute scenery that you get coming into the mountains and on a motorcycle, motorcycling is all about turning the bike. So the twistier the road, more or less, the more fun and more active it is. My The moment I thought of actually is in Central America, and for me, and that was when we crossed the Panama Canal, and I actually started crying in my helmet, you know, because oh. Rachel's like, you know, we're disconnected, I'm in my own space, and I had that, like, even though I'm still in Panama, I'm not in South America yet, I had, it was for the first time, and it was totally unexpected. I had no, like, the Panama Canal is going to be a big deal to me. It was just, I was overcome and overwhelmed by this feeling of, oh my God, I said I want to do something big in my life. That I, cons I considered it a big thing and I, and I accomplished it. I made it, I made it to South America, kind of, because that was yeah. the, the physical split between, you know, North and South or Central and South America. And so now I could, I'd made it, I did it. Like okay. I made it to South America. So 
um, yeah, that was definitely a big highlight for me. So what are the, the future thoughts? What's next? I think, I mean, we've, we've always, this whole trip, we've pointed towards the tip of South America, and that's always kind of where the bike is headed. But we take things one day at a time. Right now, we're in Cuenca, and we don't know what city we're going to go to next. But we know that we're heading south. So we know we're going to go to Peru. We know we're going to go to Chile. We don't know if we're going to do like Chile, Bolivia, and then Argentina, or what's going to happen there because it's not completely linear. But we know we're heading south. After that, we've thrown around a lot of different ideas. But I think we're, we're both still kind of waiting until we get closer to that point before we set anything in stone. He's thrown around the idea of actually going back up to Brazil instead of ending in Argentina. Short term, I don't know where we're going after Cuenca. Mid term, we're going to get to Argentina. And then long term, that becomes very unknown. And and hopefully I can keep it that way for a little bit longer. Somebody's sitting there. I'm going back to Rachel again because I've been using you first. (laughs) You know, there's another female, another person is sitting there right now listening to us and she's thinking, hmm, is this for me? Or maybe she's just so different, so out there. Do you have any thoughts that you might want to share with that person? I I guess I would say, like, I think if you're sitting and listening to us wondering if this is something you should do, I think the question maybe you can ask is, is it something you want to do? And if it is, then you can absolutely do it. I think sometimes, I know for us, like people will say to us, like, oh, well, you're living the dream. You're living the dream. And well, we might be living our dream and some people's dream, but people want different things in life. And it's okay. Like, it's okay to want something totally different. And it's also okay to want the exact same thing as somebody else. And I think the most important thing is just like really listening to what you want and paying attention to that and being courageous enough to say, this is what I want to do. And I'm gonna and I'm gonna try and do it. That's what I would say. Nice advice, Josh. Motorcycle travel has been such an amazing way to see new places and countries, and it really forces you to see all of it. Whereas I've been to Mexico several times, I had no idea how big Mexico was, and we saw. I mean, there's still, I mean, plenty of places we haven't seen, but you are present on the motorcycle. You know if it's hot. You know if it's cold or raining. You know. Like if it's windy or if it smells really good or (laughs) super terrible outside of some towns. And so just, and you go through places you just never would get to. Highly recommend it if it's at all interested, people are all interested. Secondly, I think the lessons that I've learned are, number one, it's easier to do the things you want to do than you think it is. I have all these rules and logic things baked in that, whether it's society or my parents or my upbringing that said like, well, if you do this, that means X. And I just would encourage anybody to question like any rule, any way you think, well, that's just how the world works. Like just try to question where you picked that up because there are people out there who don't believe that. And maybe they are onto something or I know I had countless rules baked in. And I mean, just for an example, if, if that doesn't make any sense to people, we have a ton of stuff on our motorcycle. Like, you saw us bring it into the hostel at El Cafecito. So we have clothes that are normal clothes. And You're not looking. Like people would be surprised. I'd be surprised if you told me, oh, I just came in on a motorbike based on the way you're dressed. Yeah. And we hear that all the time. It's specifically Rachel because she's much more stylish than I am. But it's, well, you don't look like travelers. We've heard that the whole trip. And it's like, that's a false choice that if you're going to travel, especially by a motorcycle, you should look 
dirty and ragged. And it's like, we have space for clothes and we stay in hostels that have showers. So if we look dirty and ragged, that's a, a distinct choice. You can do it. Don't listen to the rules, I guess. Don't Those are the, the three. Okay, I like that. Definitely a pleasure having a chat with you guys. Thanks, Tony. You too. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. And please don't forget to subscribe. If you're interested in contacting Josh or Rachel for any additional questions, their contact information are in the show notes. So I'd like to give a special thanks once again to my editor, Marshall Donnelly, for his work that he's been doing on all the previous podcasts. And invite each and every one of you when you're in Cuenca to please stop by either the hostel or the cafe on the same plaza with vegetarian and vegan options. For now, all the best and please stay safe.